Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening, friends and neighbors, and welcome to Gifts for Glory Podcast. Glad you're along with us. Got a great show, a great interview lined up this week. So uh, be sure to be a part of the program. If you have any questions, concerns, raging disagreements, feel free to uh, chime in. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, just uh, comment in the chat box uh, to the side or below wherever you might be uh, watching. We are live. It is Monday night. And uh, we're just really excited to uh, uh, share with you uh, this story of uh, Pastor uh, Jeremiah Stingle and the uh, the Pastor Standing Firm podcast. We'll be talking about that in just a little bit. But I do want to share with you that uh, Well-Versed Comedy has got uh, some really big shows lined up. We're really excited. Uh, so if you are a married couple or an engaged couple in the Chicagoland area, uh, RSVP by uh, Wednesday, March 9th, we got a show going on in uh, Oak Park, Illinois. It's Always Kiss Me Goodnight, a marriage night. It's going to be a great show, uh, and it's going to be a great night for married couples, so we hope that uh, you consider joining us that night. Uh, we also have a couple of RFK fundraisers for Royal Family Kids Camp. Uh, the first one is going to be March 26th. This will be for the Joliet uh, RFK, uh, based out of Southwest Community Church. Uh, tickets are on sale now. You get them at rfk. I'm sorry, rfkjoliet.eventbrite.com uh, for tickets to RFK Joliet's Comedy Night coming up Saturday, March 26th. Uh, after that, we've got a, a free show in Lombard at our host church, Lombard Assembly Church in uh, Lombard, Illinois. Free admission uh, coming out uh, for a great night. And, and come to all of these shows because it's improv. Every show is going to be completely different. It's all based on your suggestion, and uh, it's going to be great. And the, uh, the uh, final of our four shows coming up uh, real soon is RFK Comedy Night for the Lockport RFK Camp. So you can get tickets at rfkcomedy.eventbrite.com. Uh, that's rfkcomedy.eventbrite.com for tickets. All that will be in the show notes. Uh, so we're really excited. We've got Tracy DeGraff coming to the, Lock, to the uh, Lockport uh, fundraiser. That one's going to be on a, a Friday, uh, April 29th. Again, you get those tickets at rfkcomedy.eventbrite.com for tickets. Uh, now let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, this one is coming to us. I'm uh, going to go to the Old Testament for you on uh, this one. This one's coming from uh, Leviticus 10. And uh, this is actually kind of inspired by our, our guest tonight and also by his co-host, which is my pastor, uh, Brian Bauer. Uh, he talked about this in a series a few weeks ago. Um, Leviticus 10, 1 through 3. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. So we don't bring incense and we don't bring coals in, into uh, uh, our churches nowadays, but what it what we can apply to it is bringing a strange fire into the altar, into the church. And the way uh, Pastor Brian explained it and, and the way that 
just it applies today is the fact that we can't mix things from outside the church with what the what the Bible teaches us. So many today are trying to bring a strange fire into the church by their mixing new age principles, they're mixing different religions, and they're not sticking to the truth of the word of God. And they're bringing a strange fire into the church. Now we don't see people getting burned alive in church. You know, this is old Testament, but we have to also, also be in that position where we recognize how important it is to stick to the truth of the gospel and not mix it and not bring that strange fire. Uh, And recently I've had uh, people approach me to want to be part of the podcast and there are people who are bringing a strange fire. They're mixing new age. They're mixing uh, these weird things about consciousness and, and mysticism. And it's like, no, that's not the gospel. That's not Jesus. And that's not what this show's about. We stick to the truth as best as we can. And we try to make sure that each and every episode that we put out does not have that strange fire. So I want to encourage you stick to the word of God. It's perfect. The, the creator of the universe can also handle publishing a book, so you can trust in that word. So that is our Devotions with Dave segment for tonight. Uh, Really uh, glad that uh, you're with us here. And we want to um, uh, tell you a little bit about our guest. Our guest, he's uh, he's one of the lead pastors, uh, along with his wife, uh, Bianca, at Living Water Community Church in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Uh, He's also the co-host alongside uh, one of our previous guests and my pastor, uh, Brian Bauer. Uh, of a show called Pastors Standing Firm. Uh, And uh, in uh, today's uh, show, we're going to be talking with Pastor Jeremiah Stingle about Pastors Standing Firm, uh, its purpose, its message. And, of course, we're going to dive into his testimony to hear how he came to uh, know the Lord and how he ultimately became a lead pastor just down the road from us here in uh, suburban Chicago land. So be sure to check him out, and uh, now we'll bring him into the show. Please welcome my uh, my friend, Pastor Jeremiah Single. Jeremiah, welcome. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you and uh, really excited to um, talk about this amazing show. Uh, I've listened to almost every episode. You just had a new one drop today, uh, you know, work, job, that kind of thing. I haven't got a chance to, to check it out, but uh, um, tell us a little bit about Pastor Standing Firm and how it came to be. So uh, Pastor Brian and I, good friends, you know, with pastor in the same, you know, uh, section of the Assemblies of God here in Chicago land and, you know, facing a lot of the same, you know, issues. Pastor Brian still doing portable church. So I'm not quite as, uh, as challenged as he is, but uh, he's just a good friend. And I really enjoy his, uh, his thoughts about life and what's going on all around us. And so we were texting, calling, you know, sending each other, you know, different links to different things to help us kind of navigate pastoring through this pandemic that seems to have just concluded. So I'm very grateful for that. Uh, But uh, I had podcast equipment because my wife and I were doing a podcast at the time. And I was like, man, we should just turn this into a podcast. dude. We can just get in the things that we're just texting back and forth and saying to each other, like other people would benefit from hearing this because it's very insightful information. We're processing out loud a lot of the things that are coming at us. And as leaders in whatever sector you're a leader in, it's very challenging because you have to make a lot of decisions that affect people's health, affect people's families and affect people's work. And I mean, there's just so many things going on right now. And uh, we've, we've had a really good time doing it. Uh, 
and I think the message is resounding with a lot of people. And um, there may be some that you know hear the title and and kind of get an idea of what it's about. But in your own words, what is a pastor standing firm about? It's about you know. Ephesians chapter six, verse 13, when you've done everything you can do, stand, you know, and, and that's really what it's all about is stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And so we, we just know that there's a lot of capitulation to the way that culture wants us to live. You know, there's a lot of cancel culture out there. There's a lot of silencing of people's voices. Uh, there's people who just kind of write you off all completely. If you're not, if you're not woke like them, if you don't have pronouns on your email signature, if you don't, you know, you just, the list goes on and on and on. And in an age when everything is just kind of crazy like this, there needs to be some voices that are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're standing for truth here. There's some real truth that you could stand in the world. And it does not conform as Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Like it does not conform. It it stands. And that's what it's really all about is training spiritual leaders to see the signs of the times and to know how to confidently make a stand even when it's not popular. Yeah. And I think that, that that's a message that needs to resonate, especially I would say in the American church, especially because you know, there's so much fear of the cancer culture, so much fear of, of social media pressure that sometimes in the interest of, you know, maybe in the deceptive interest of, you know, going along to get along because it's more important that people like us and, and see us as a welcoming church. Uh, so um, I just think that that's a message that's really going to, uh, that's very important in this day and age. Yes. I, I totally agree. It, it, it really is something that's energizing to us. Uh, Brian and I come excited every week to record the next episode, to have the next guest on. And man, some of the stuff that some of these guests are sharing is fantastic. Uh, one of the first episodes we had, uh, we had Pastor Steve Smotherman. He pastors Legacy Church in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, he was fined by the state of New Mexico because their church was not adhering to all of the COVID restrictions that we put out on them. And he stands up. I mean, it's a large church. I think it's 11 or 12,000 people, seven campuses. And he stands up, points at the camera and he says, Governor, if you're listening, we will not pay your fine. And the church just erupts, you know, mm -hmm. because it's unconstitutional. Uh, we had another guest uh, from uh, his name is Ken Fielding. He's from Zion, Illinois, yeah. just up the road from us. And it was his church and his elder board decided to file a lawsuit against our governor when he had put restrictions on churches because it's just it goes against the First Amendment. You, you can make no law restricting the freedom of worship. And they were making laws or they were putting out these ordinances. And, man, they said, no, we're not going to tolerate it. Two hours after this pastor filed a lawsuit. Against the governor, the governor's lawyers contacted his lawyers and said, hey, what do we got to do to settle this? What do we got to do to make this go away? They said, no restrictions whatsoever on churches. And they were like, no restriction. We can't do no restrictions. And he said, well, get ready to go to court then. And then they called him back a few hours later and said, okay, okay, how about recommendations from our state health department? Instead of restrictions, recommendations. They said, hey, as long as you're not restricting us from worshiping the way that we want to, that's completely fine. And his lawsuit and the victory that that board had to have that courage to step up and do that uh, directly affected our church, directly affected your church. And I mean, thousands of other churches across the state 
were yeah. able to just make their own decisions based on what they read the scripture to say, because that's our only document that governs the church is the Bible. That's it. And uh, I think uh, waking people up with some of this information is helping empower them to be a greater witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever before. And to the, uh, the, the churchgoer or even the pastor that would think that uh, going to court and fighting you know, the man, that's not where our energy should be. What would you say to them based on the conversations you've had, based on your own convictions? I think that yeah, using godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, godly wisdom is very important. And James talks a lot about godly wisdom, that it's it's impure, it's pure, it's it's impartial, that it 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 seeks to benefit other people. And I think that using wisdom in these matters is very important and saying, okay, what would what would I need to do in order to be a loving person towards my neighbor? in this situation. And I think that in th- that given situation, the most loving thing that that pastor could have done is to file a lawsuit because what the state was doing was coming into a house of worship and saying, you have to worship like this. That's a slippery slope. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's another book that's just greatly impacted me during this season. It's by Rod Dreher. It's called Live Not By Lies. In the book, he interviews uh, people who were pastored by these particular pastors or priests or whoever they were in Eastern Europe before it fell under the control of communism. And this pastor, priest, whoever he was, was was telling and teaching his people like, hey, listen. I can see what's coming and what's coming is going to not be good. And you need to stand against this right here. You know, that's what the word says. It says Ephesians chapter six, it says stand against the devil's schemes. Yeah. And I think so many times we look at somebody in government and say, well, you know, there Romans 13 says I'm supposed to obey and submit to every governing authority. Well, if you break it down, the governing authority of the United States is the constitution and it's we, the people, and, and I think that people are misunderstanding what's going to happen here. If you give all this power to this government, that's never ended right in the history of mankind because of one thing, sin. Yeah. Sin broke human. It broke humanity. It, it broke us. We were in the image of God and it broke us. We, we, it's like you have a, 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 like a corrupted file on your computer and it like just starts affecting everything and all your programs are going berserk and you have to wipe your hard drive clean and reinstall everything. Like that's exactly what sin did to the human race. And God is like, no, you have to be born again to see the kingdom because you're corrupted to the core mm-hmm. and you cannot expect corrupted human beings to act justly just because they feel like it. Listen, people who are in positions of power have had to probably make a lot of compromises even to get there in many ways. And so they're not standing for truth. They're not standing for righteousness. They're standing for their own personal gain. And so I would say, of course, we need to utilize the judicial system to make sure that our lawmakers are held accountable. It's one of the three branches of government. Yes. And one of the things that I think we sometimes uh, forget is that Paul did the same kind of thing. When, when he was arrested, it, he would say, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. I have these rights. I appeal. And so Paul set the precedent that it's okay to use the law to advance the gospel. 
and I, I think that it's so important that we recognize that Jesus may have been about love and, and, and peace, but he was also not a doormat. And it, it's okay for us to take that stand and stand firm and show people that it's okay to, to take a stand. Yeah, so true. I mean, let's read the book of Acts, okay? Uh, they start rebelling immediately. I mean, the, the governing authority said, do not teach in the name of Jesus. And then Acts chapter 5, he calls him in. He's like, what are y'all doing? I forbade you to teach in the name of Jesus. And then, and then he says these words. He says, yet his name or his, you know, the teachings that you've done have spread throughout the city. It's like, yeah, we're definitely supposed to rebel if a governing authority comes against the gospel. Yes, 100%. It, one of the, you brought up Romans 13, and that's been one that, that's been a scripture that has probably been about the most abused, especially in the last two years, because there'll be some that think Romans 13 means that you have to submit completely, uh, like you said, to when the law says, Oh, you can't meet in more than 25% or you can't, or in California, it said you can't sing your worship songs. And I, and to me, it's like, if Romans 13 meant that, then why did Paul and all the apostles, why were they martyred? Why were they in sin? Because they didn't uh, adhere to what you said, you know, don't preach the gospel or were they, or is there a deeper context to Romans 13 than what we hear? It's in the text. If you just go to Romans 13, anybody who's listening, just go to Romans 13 right now. And it says they are God's ministers to do good. As soon as they stopped doing good, they stopped being God's ministers and immediately stepped out of any kind of role of under the Romans 13. You can't you can't just cherry pick little pieces of scripture and leave out the general context. He says these are God's ministers to do good. Well, what's what's God say justice is? Well, God says that justice is it's it's good, it's it's wholesome, it's 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 pure like that that's why even the phrase social justice gets on my nerves because there's no such thing as a particular kind of justice. It is just. There is justice. It adheres to righteousness in every area or it is unjust. That is that is it. There's no wiggle room about it. So social justice doesn't exist because justice is justice across the board. Yeah. And just like the word Christian, you're either a Christian or you're not. You're not a conservative or a progressive or a modern you're, you're either a Christ follower, you're in Christ, you're somebody that's like Christ, which is what Christian means, or you're not. And I think that we get so, uh, in the in our society, we get so obsessed with adjectives and, and, and different words that we lose the meaning because we're trying to sound a certain way. And I think that that's one of the biggest weaknesses overall in the, the big C American church is that Again, that popularity is so important. We want to seem like, yeah, we're progressive. No, you're you're leaving the word behind if you're progressing beyond it. Wow, so good. So the um, so you're not only a podcast host, which we're talking about about Pastor Sandy Firm. You're a pastor, so you had to navigate these waters because you have elder board. uh, You have. uh, You talk about Brian has a little bit more challenge uh, because we're a portable church. But you have a building, you have a large building and a large congregation. So there are a lot more problems you have than a smaller portable church. Uh, So how did you navigate those waters to determine, okay, now's the time we're going to reopen and we're going to start meeting together. How did you get to that point? 
Well, I had lots of conversations, lots of Zoom calls, lots of, you know, discussions and, you know, listening in on what other pastors are doing and trying to, you know, just kind of listen really, really intently uh, to what the science and medical data was saying, the hospital thing. I mean, just all of the factors that go into should we gather a large group of human beings in an indoor setting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started back on Father's Day of 2020. So I think it was June the 21st, 2020. Okay. And so I think we were shut down for a total of 13 weeks. Uh, Easter being one of those days, which crushed me. I mean, crushed me as a pastor. I felt like there's something I'm not doing right here. This is not good. You know, but at the time, you know, trust the science, you know, we're saving lives, stay home, save lives, all the things, you know, so we kind of, we're going along with the flow. And uh, there was a couple other Assemblies of God churches that I was like, you're really keeping tabs on where they were at. And we all kind of agreed that we were going to be opening around that same time frame. And uh, yeah, we never turned back. I mean, we never, even when, you know, things you know, started to, you know, become restrictive again, you know, we just basically said, Hey, there's an online platform. If you want to stay home, stay home, you know, but if you want to come, you can come. I'm not going to mitigate the risk for you. I'm not going to estimate the risk for you. You know, there's a risk involved in every part of our lives. I mean, you get up in the morning, you risk falling down and breaking your leg. You know, I mean, you go outside, you risk you know, a meteor falling from the sky. I mean, you, you, there's risk for everything that we do. And so I'm not going to manage somebody else's risk-taking ability. It's, you know, we still got some people who are uncomfortable with coming. By all means, take take your time. We're here to love you. You know, I definitely challenge people. Come on out, you know, yeah. we're here, you know. Um, but, you know, th- different people are in different places, and I'm just not going to judge that for them. Yeah. Because there, there's no way to mitigate all risk. Because, like you said, I mean, your, your church is uh, right around the corner from a Starbucks. How many people roll out of Starbucks checking their phone without living? You, know, you got car accident potential. Uh, you know, Bolingbrook is, is it's not Chicago, but it's not a dormant town. There's plenty of traffic, so there's no way to mitigate all the risk. But one of the things about being open, and that's what really drew me and my wife to uh, to Brian's church, was that. Regardless, we're going to open, we're going to offer hope because studies show that during the pandemic, the only segment of population that had an improvement or at least stayed the same in mental health were people who attended person in-person church service. Wow. And you also look at the fact that every time there's been a national tragedy, every time there's been a moment where people are thinking about their own mortality, where do they go? They go to church to figure that out. And it was taken away from them for 13 weeks or 20 weeks or however long other churches were closed. They didn't have that outlet for hope. And I think that as a Christian, if you die because of a virus, you've won because you're, you're in glory. So what's the worst that can happen? And I, I think that I, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm too cavalier, but I think that the church hopefully has learned a lesson about the necessity of being open and being that lighthouse in the storm. Yes, I hope so. And you're right. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's basically saying to the Philippian church, he's saying, man, I'd love to catch the ticket up out of this broken, sinful world and get into the glorious presence of my Lord. But 
I'm here because of you. I'm here because God has something that he wants me to give to you. And I'm going to stay here and obey him. And that's to, that's the mindset we've got to have. I, I think it might have been Pastor Brian who told me this real early on. He said, I need you to show me a New Testament church that stopped gathering for fear of dying. I'm like, whoa, that's deep, dude. Because they didn't. I mean, as soon as Peter got let out of prison by an angel and the church was praying, they immediately prayed for more boldness, like more boldness. Like they just took a pretty bold stand. Maybe it was when Peter or Paul and Silas got out. I'm not sure. It was one of the two. When either Peter got out of prison or Paul and Silas. But once again, they're getting out of prison because they're breaking the law. You know, they're. They're doing what God called them to do. And, you know, God calls us to assemble, assemble ourselves together uh, regularly for worship. And, um, you know, I just I just can't see it. I can't see it anywhere. The one challenge I've asked several people who've given me pushback over, you know, over, you know, not neglecting the gathering about being together. I've asked them, do you truly believe that the underground Chinese church stopped meeting because of the virus? And no one can answer me straight. Yeah. I mean, dude, those believers are hardcore already. I mean, they're already toughened by the persecution that they've had to face. So, I mean, when I hear stories coming out of there, I mean, people memorizing entire chapters and books of the Bible and, you know, get a page of the Bible and things. I mean, it's amazing. Just the stories of and, and there's been video of the underground church getting their first Bibles ever and seeing the I mean, it's like Christmas morning times a thousand. And you and I, we have probably three to four different translations in physical form. We've got a hundred translations on our phone and we can learn a thing or two in many ways from the Chinese church, from the Iranian church the Saudi Arabian church. I truly, I have not been able to find anyone that can say, yeah, they stopped meeting because of a, of a virus. And you got to you got to look back on some of the stuff too, and see how uh, how much both the media, politicians, all lied to us during that thing. I, mean, I don't know if you remember back in like February of 2020, and they're showing like body bags in the street, and they're talking about floating hospitals and all this other kind of junk, and. Man, it just never, ever happened like that. It just didn't. And they, they, they lied about the data. And then all of a sudden, this vaccine is 100% effective, 95% effective. Go for it. And then they're like, well, you can, you still got to wear a mask when you got the vaccine and stuff. It's like, man, forget about that, dude. I'm not, you're not running circles around me with all this stupid information that you're lying about. Yeah. And none of this is to say that the COVID-19 virus was dangerous. We're not saying that it didn't kill people. We're not saying that people didn't die. What we're saying is that it was like the Jim Cantori effect of, you know, he's on the scene and the world's going to end because the storm is coming through and everyone gets really uptight. They buy all the bread and the milk and in, in COVID case, they buy all the toilet paper. But, but the thing was for all the good intents of maybe people just initially overreacted, so we take the two weeks, the 15 days, and then we reevaluate. It was when it became a moving goalpost that it, that people like you and I and Pastor Brian started to say, 
wait a minute, why are we keep moving the goalposts? Why is there no definitive end? What are we looking for? And that's when we started to question, I think. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't question soon enough. I, I was actually selfishly enjoying a little bit of the downtime that, you know, because my wife and I have been married for 17 years and we've always been in ministry together. We mm-hmm. got back from our honeymoon and as soon as we got back, we started full-time ministry. I was full-time on staff of the church. She was a full-time, you know, involved wife and we were youth pastors together, you know, and uh, it's been like that ever since 17 years. We've had two kids and we've just been going, going, going. And so, even though it was busy with Zoom calls and with, you know, recording videos for various Sunday services, whatever it was, we did, you know, take advantage of just being together and, you know, just kind of getting to know each other all over again because, you know, we were stuck at home and we had we had a blast. I mean, we started by spraying our packages down, you know, and I remember one time I went to the grocery store with not only a mask on but with gloves on. I mean, I was – Ugh, I'm ashamed of myself at this point. But, and that that's kind of everybody's walk is at first you're like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is, you know, God's judgment. And he's like, okay, here, you guys, you know, deal with this because, you know, I'm tired of, you know, the, the sin that's run rampant. And then, you know, a couple of weeks in, maybe a month in, you realize that something's not quite right. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's the growing process. It's like when you're a first Christian, your, your first conversion, you don't know everything. So you go by with what, what information you have available. And then you look back 10 years in your walk, you're like, wow, I can't believe I believe that. Yep. So, and I think that there's grace when you're presented with new information and you advance and you grow. I think that it's when you're so nose to the grindstone, I have to believe in the worst of the worst of the worst. Then that, there's less grace in that moment because it's like, no, wait, you know, get your eyes off the wall of the cave and look behind you. And um, so that's a little philosophy that I learned in my liberal arts degree, <laughs> a little bit of the parable of the cave. Um, but uh, so you are a lead pastor now. So I want to dive into um, your, your testimony, your story, how you became a pastor. And before that, how you found Jesus. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, or was there somebody really influential in your life that led you to the Lord? Great questions, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, I did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Joel Stingle, two books of the Bible, two Old Testament prophets. And uh, I just knew that um, that God had his call on my life from, from a very young age. Uh, I knew that I wanted to love Jesus and follow him for the rest of my life. Uh, went to church every Sunday. I began uh, smoking cigarettes and smoking marijuana and drinking alcohol when I was, uh, you know, started probably smoking cigarettes when I was like 11 and then 12, Mm. 13, started getting into drugs and alcohol. And so from 13 to 18, I was very, very heavily using drugs and alcohol. And uh, I went to the University of Georgia. I got a scholarship, an academic scholarship to go there. And I was there for two weeks, I bet. And then I got uh, arrested for marijuana possession with intent to distribute. Mm. And it was going to be a pretty serious charge. And so I 
bailed myself out, didn't tell my parents, stopped going to classes. I was there for about three months total. Uh, there was a night where I'd been using a lot of drugs and uh, I just heard the voice of the Lord speak to my heart and say, are you tired of living like this? That was the phrase that he said, are you tired of living like this? And I was so out of it that I heard it resound one more time. Are you tired of living like this? And it was like, yes, I'm tired. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And God said, get up and walk out of this house. And I was like, okay. So I was at some party and I got up, grabbed this little bag of like toothpaste and some change of clothes that I had just because I was kind of you know floating around out there. And this car pulled up and it was full of people who had been at the party that I was at the night before. And they were like, where are you going? We'll give you a ride. And I was like, just take me to the nearest payphone. Call my dad up. I'll collect. Yeah, call them <laughs> collect. You remember collect calls back in the day? Called him collect. And uh, I was like, hey, uh, you know, I got arrested, got kicked out of my dorm. I haven't been going to class. God wants me to change my life. I don't even know what to do. He said, well, stay at this payphone." He said, read the number off the payphone to me. And he said, I'll call the pastor. So he called the pastor at the church that, you know, they were attending. And he called me on the payphone right there. And, you know, he talked to me, prayed with me and basically said, just get somewhere where you cannot use drugs till your dad gets there. Cause your dad's going to begin driving from Savannah to Athens, Georgia to pick you up. And so I went to uh, the dormitory lobby of this girl that attended my church with me in youth group when I was growing up. And I just sat there and I saw a person reading the Bible and I go to them and I go, Hey, I uh, see so you're reading the Bible. I uh, just had God tell me to leave everything. And I'm just waiting here for my dad to pick me up. Can, can you tell me more about God? I was really lost, really, really lost. And uh, she, she said, I think, I think it was her, if I recall correctly. I can't remember the exact details. But basically, this woman was attending a Bible study with this girl that I used to go to youth group with. And so, like, they had been praying for me. Wow. Like, like, they knew that I was bad and, like, I was doing a lot of bad stuff. And so, like, they were praying for me to get saved. And so she was like, I'm going to go get this friend of yours. And so I'm sitting there and they come up and like, they're just like, look at what God has done. You know, like this is a miracle. This guy just got saved. And he was like Saul of Tarsus, you know, he's bad, you know? And so, uh, I, my dad came pick me up and I went to teen challenge. It's a drug rehab program. Went there for 12 months uh, radically tra- transformed, called into ministry. And I went to a teen challenge in Barbados. It's a island nation in the Caribbean. And I helped start a teen challenge program there for about six months I spent there. And then uh, I felt like um, going to Bible college was what my next step was going to be. And so I heard about a program at a local church that you took courses online through a Bible college, but then you had practical uh, application points and I was there for three years. It was a three-year program. I completed the whole thing and met my wife there. And so we you know, hit it off you know, pretty quickly and stuff and got married directly. Like I graduated on Sunday and then the following Friday we got married. Wow. Uh, we came back and then started full-time 
in ministry and have been doing ministry ever since. We were 13 years at the same church in Georgia. And then directly following that, we felt like God was calling us to become lead pastors. And we found out about this opportunity here and let the church know that we were interested. They said, hey, come on up. We want you to be our pastors. And that's, here we are. Yeah. And, and that's so powerful because you have the roots and uh, you still kind of have that prodigal journey. Was there anybody that gave you a lot of flack because you strayed away and they like they questioned whether the the conversion back was was legitimate or did you find yourself completely surrounded by by support and, and encouragement? Yeah, it was pretty supportive and encouragement. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely never felt like anybody was trying to pull me down, tear me down because of. There was one time when I first went to Bible college. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty exciting, energetic, outgoing kind of person. And, uh, this, this, this person who is one year ahead of me, he goes, uh, when are you going to turn this off? And I was like, what do you mean? When am I going to turn this off? He's like, what do you mean? When are you going to turn this off? Like, he's like this, like your little, little, I was like, no, this is just how I am. You know? So I think that was the only time I've ever had anybody, uh, kind of just try to discourage me. But that energy and that excitement, that probably was one of your biggest assets when you entered into youth ministry and also into Team Challenge because uh, um, you, you had that excitement to say that this is real. This is this is not a put on. And so I think that that was probably a biggest asset, one of your biggest assets that God gave you. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he, he wires us the way he wires us for a reason. And uh, I haven't annoyed my wife uh, too terribly yet. So, so it seems like she's going to keep me. Everyone's got their cross to bear. That's what my wife tells me. <laughs> but, um, so you, you get into, to ministry. Um, how did you know that you were called in? Cause you know, you went through, you know, the, the 12 months, uh, there in team challenge. How did you know that it, it was a call and not just you thinking, Oh, this would be kind of cool. So I was actually in Barbados. Uh, I was working at Teen Challenge there. One of my responsibilities was to like do the whole food situation, all three of the meals. Like I was just in charge to make sure that I got to cook and that I woke people up if it was breakfast time, like just that everybody got to eat. And I remember sitting in the kitchen or, you know, there's one building on the property that we, you know, consumed food at. It was like a kitchen and a dining room kind of thing all together. It's a tropical island. So there's no like everything's open air because, you know, the temperatures, you know, 78 degrees and sunny year round. So which was weird at Christmas time because we were on the pool hanging out. And I was like, this is just strange. This is not Christmas. But. Uh, I was sitting there in the dining hall and I was reading from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and Paul says, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And it was just like that that word just gripped my heart. And I knew I knew I was supposed to preach at that point. I knew it. I said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. It was like, it was like literally the Holy Spirit just said, that's you. And I was like, that's me. And then uh, you, you meet Bianca who... The, the 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 runny joke in, in Christian circles is that uh, that men go to get their you know their uh, degree and women are going to get their MRS degree and she she got both. Yeah, yeah, she's I mean fantastic. If you ever get to you know well you got to meet her, but yeah. people get to know her a little bit. 
she's just fantastic. She's just the best thing that's ever happened to me, except for finding Jesus. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing when you meet somebody that you're just like that. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just like that. Like that's, that is it. That. I've been searching for that for my whole life. And it was there. There was no doubt, never a second thought about anybody else. Uh, My graduation from my second year. So I I had your first year, you weren't allowed to date because they wanted you to focus on your relationship with the Lord. And Bianca was one year behind me. And so my second year began and she was now a first year. And I publicly told people like, I'm not going to date again. I feel like God wants me to do two years. I think part of that might've been the fact that she was a first year and I just wanted to kind of take all of the romantic, uh, anything off the table. I don't, I don't really know my motivation for saying that, but I did. And I followed through with that commitment. So my second year when I was finishing, we had like a, like a ceremony every year. And, uh, there was, there was a few girls who were kind of lurking around waiting to see and i was not going to give them the time of day because i was not going to mess it up with bianca i wanted her to know i when i make a decision i stick to it and i have made my decision a long time ago that you are the one that i most can pursue and if you give me a shot i'll prove to you that that i'm the kind of guy that you'll want to marry and you know here we are did, did she have equally uh uh equal confidence as you or did it take some pursuit i mean i'm diving into your story a little bit maybe yeah yeah no no this is good so she liked me but being a woman and kind of being the one who waits for the man to come to you i think obviously she didn't have the confidence level i had i had the confidence level because you know i just i tend to be a very confident individual and uh and I just knew that I'm going to get the girl. Like I'm a prove to her that I'm the kind of guy that she'll want to be with for the rest of her life. You know, hmm. very good. That's awesome. And I love how God did that because you went from a prodigal uh, and came in and then, you know, God set the road in front of you and you just took it. And uh, you started, you were in a church in Georgia for 13 years, came up here to, to Bolingbrook. How uh, transitioning from where you were in Georgia to to now taking this lead pastor role, how hard was that? Uh, Was uh, was it a challenge? Was it an exciting thing or was it a little both? It was definitely a lot of both. Uh, I think that the challenge came from the church here. Uh, I've heard it say, you know, a church receiving a new pastor is kind of like, like a body receiving like a new organ, like a major organ, like a heart, you know, like something that's major and the body's got to receive it. It's got to accept it. And in here, uh, there was, there was so much love for the former pastor that he was here for 25 years. He was not leaving because of any scandal or any kind of bad thing. He just felt like it was God's timing for him. And, you know, we just what we were not him and nobody gave us the living water for dummies manual before we got here. And so we just did things the way that we did things, because that's just the way that we do things. And nobody told us that we had to 
do things a certain way. And we just disappointed some people because we just did things differently. Not that what we were doing was disappointing in itself. It's just we were doing things different. And people enjoy their church. Like they go to a church for years because they like their church. They like the way things are done. They like the way the pastor preaches. They like the way that their friends are. And they like the color of the walls and the color of the carpet. And we came in changing everything. We were just like, pew, 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 pew. You know? <laughs> Not knowing that painting the walls, because you know, we were told, hey, the walls need to be painted. We wanted to wait till you got here so you could use the color. The carpets need to be replaced. I mean, there's big rips in the carpet. You know, I mean, we just did things because they needed to get done. And they were just not at the standard that it was always done previously. And therefore, we just disappointed people. Yeah. And it's always hard. It's, you know, there, there's a mourning process because you're losing somebody that you've gained. And it's in some ways, it's almost like getting a stepfather or stepmother in, in the family. And you're like, oh, you're, you're not you're not my real dad. You're not my real mom. And it's that adjustment period. It just this is what I, I guess, and I can observe from outside that that is very emotionally trying because you want to. There's almost like you want to prove yourself at the same time. You have to massage and, and work with uh, the people that are are still in a kind of a grieving process. Yeah, and I didn't know any of that. <laughs> because the church that we were at for 13 years was a church plant. So when we got there, it was a year and a half old not even two years old yet. It was just a year and a half old. There was 150 people meeting in a high school auditorium. Mm -hmm. And we grew with that church. We were brand new out of Bible college. The church was brand new launched. We were the first paid pastor other than the lead pastor. So we were the very, I mean, it was just me and him and his a secretary and that was it. And um, we grew with that church. The church grew to over 3000 people in three locations and now they're in four locations. Wow. And uh, you know, my last job title while I was there, cause I, it changed. I had five different job titles while I was there for 13 years, started as youth pastor, went to small groups, pastor, went to college and career, went to uh, uh, campus pastor of like another campus. And then eventually like the executive pastor over campus development. So over expansion, looking at new locations, hiring campus pastors, making sure that all the campuses have what they needed. So we just had a lot of responsibility. So we were used to tons of change because the church was, you know, what, 15 years old when we left. And, you know, and then when we got here, the church had was like 40 something years old, you know, mm -hmm. the pastor, the church that we had been at for 13 years only had one pastor and he changed stuff all the time. And people went with it because he was the pastor that started the church and yeah. he was used to it. I came here and people were just very resistant to the changes that I was initiating because they didn't do things that way. And I just didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Right. I, I can only imagine how, yeah, how it's a very trial and error thing to come in and uh, replace and, and step in for somebody that has been such a stalwart for so long. So uh, it's, yeah, I think you're doing pretty well over there because you you guys are, are still going strong. Uh, have you seen a major dip uh, post COVID, or are you guys growing? How how are things post? Uh, Pandemic. So we're probably like at 60 or 70 percent now, probably more of like the 60 percent in person from what we were pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, we are seeing a ton of new people come in 
and a lot of excited people, a lot of new members going through our discipleship process and getting plugged in and joining dream teams. And I mean, it's really exciting right now. Holy Spirit is just moving in powerful ways during our services. And uh, I mean, we're having all of the exciting problems that you have when you have a growing church. So we definitely feel like we're a growing church. I think I heard somebody recently say that, you know, what your in-person attendance now is, is the size of your church. Like the people who have not come back yet, you know, are not coming back in person or not coming back in person very frequently because Mm -hmm. they found the ease of this online kind of thing. And I've thought about shutting off the stream from time to time, but we got some dear, dear saints in the Lord that just can't get out for a lot of reasons sure. and uh, health reasons, you know, elderly, things like that. It's not even pandemic related. It's just life has given them this situation. And for those people, you know, I'm just like, no way. I love them too much. They they yeah. still need to be able to connect. And I mean, I talked to one guy recently for health reasons, can't get out. And he said him and his wife watch faithfully and they turn it on at 9 a.m. and they watch it till it's concluded and they participate like as if they're there. They're not clicking yeah. around on other things. They're not getting distracted by other stuff. They are there. They are present. And uh, I love people like that. It's just fantastic. And for those that are church shopping, if you're in the Bolingbrook, Illinois area, uh, check out uh, golivingwater.com or, or on social media at golivingwater.com. Uh, you can find them on all the major social media platforms. Uh, check them out live. And if you're a little bit further south of Bolingbrook, uh, there's also a great church in, in Lockport. That, uh, Amen. Heard. But, uh, so yeah, I, I love the podcast. I love listening to your episode. You got to record one with your wife, uh, with Bianca, and and just hearing her passion. And you guys have a great passion for the Lord together, and it's infectious, which is why I, I – I believe, or it's just evidence that you're in the right place where God has, has put you. And I really enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed uh, Brian's episode with Carrie Gordon, uh, who made Emily. Oh, I really enjoyed that. And uh, the the one you mentioned, the the second one uh, with the pastor from uh, New Mexico, he had some wisdom in that episode as well. In that conversation. Oh man, yeah. And the one that just came out today. Uh, that you haven't had a chance to listen to with Pastor Rusty Rayleigh. He's in Joliet, so that's just south, even souther <laughs> than where we are. And uh, man, he was dropping bombs. It was so good, man. I was like, wow, this is encouraging. I will check that out. I encourage everyone to check out uh, Pastor Standing Firm. Uh, you can find it on uh, Apple and Spotify and also Amazon Music. Uh, just look for Pastor uh, Sandy Firm on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, and uh, I, I believe you'll be encouraged. And I also believe that uh, you'll be uh, challenged as well uh, as, as you listen to the different conversations uh, that they go through. So, uh, Jeremiah, as we transition to the final two segments of our show, uh, the first one is the interrogation, seven random questions that uh, otherwise wouldn't have fit in our conversation. Uh, so uh, uh, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Here comes the interrogation. First question. What movie can you watch over and over? Back to the Future. The the entire trilogy or just one in particular? Back to the Future 1, but I I could watch the whole thing, but definitely one. And I think my wife just shuddered. She hates that series. So 
between between her hate of cheesecake and her hate of Back to the Future, I'm praying for deliverance. Oh, it's such a beautiful <laughs> story. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I tease her because she's in the living room and she, she <laughs> can't really retort. <laughs> uh question number two. Uh what makes you laugh? Uh I mean, definitely my daughter. She's pretty funny. She comes up with some funny stuff. Uh, I think, you know, watching stupid TikToks. <laughs> yeah. What's a talent you have that few people know about? I mean, I can cook really good. I'm a very good cook. Good. But I don't know if that's something that people don't know about because they, they eat my food and it's, like, really good. Uh What's your favorite dish to make? I mean, smoking some kind of meat on my smoker is my number one favorite thing, just because smoked meat is just next level good. Yeah. Um, we got this little family cookbook that we, so we, if, if it's a star dish with the whole family, we take a picture of it and then we, you handwrite the recipe in the book and then we're going to hand you know the book down to one of the kids, one of the grandkids, you know, when we get to that point. And uh, I think I cooked something that made it in there, and I'm trying to remember what it is that was really good. Oh, I made this chicken dish with, like, like little cherry tomatoes and you blister them in the pan and stuff. And you add cream sauce and noodles and chicken and all that kind of stuff, and it's like a pasta dish, and it's very tasty. I don't have a name for it. I just made it one day because we had some cherry tomatoes that needed to be eaten, and I was like, I bet you I could make this into boom. Yeah, nice. Right. Uh, question number four. Uh, how do you and uh, Bianca recharge? We have been playing, especially as the weather weather is warming up, we've been playing pickleball at our local pickleball court. So there's a pickleball court that's at a park right by our house here. You just walk in distance. And uh, we've really enjoyed that. Uh, so we just enjoy doing all kinds of stuff, whether it's cycling or reading or, you know, going to a new restaurant. I, I have a Yelp uh, account that has a, about like 512 bookmarks right now from restaurants that we want to try. And so anytime I see some, some like a TikTok or YouTube or, you know, something, you know, where somebody's mentioning a restaurant somewhere, I'll bookmark it. And then if we're ever in that area, you know, I'll open up my phone when we want to eat and I'll see, do I have any bookmarks? you know, for this location and let's go there and stuff. So we really like trying new restaurants. So I have to ask, I, I, what is pickleball? So it's like tennis and ping pong combined. And what I mean by that is basically it's the same rules as ping pong, but you're standing on the table. Okay. If that makes any sense. It, the the table is like a tennis court size, right? It, it is. It is a. It, but it's not tennis court size because you don't run around as much. So it's it's oh. nice. Yeah, because you just, tennis. I mean, you run around. I mean, you're yeah. getting a workout. Pickleball is just a little bit less. So, like, have you ever played disc golf? I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So disc golf is is a pretty chill sport. It's kind of like the disc golf of tennis, if you will, you know, it's just kind of a little bit more chill. Uh, the paddles are big wooden paddles, just like a, just like a ping pong paddle, except for just larger. And the balls are like a wiffle ball. Okay. 
And so it's designed to slow the play down to where it just makes it a little bit more difficult. Oh, that, that's my speed. Uh, yeah. Te- tennis is not my speed. <laughs> All right. Question number five. Uh, what's your favorite passage to preach on? Man, I think right now there's a passage in Galatians chapter four. I believe it's verse 16. But Paul says, I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Mm. And and he's really frustrated at this point. Um, chapter three, verse one, he says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. He said, who's cast a spell on you? Like someone has made witchcraft on you and you don't even understand that you've been enslaved to this legalistic way of thinking that actually has nothing to do with the gospel whatsoever. And you've traded this beautiful gospel that I handed to you. I get, I got it. He says, I got it directly from God. No man had any input in this and I gave it directly to you. And now all of a sudden you're going for every wind of doctrine, every teaching that's coming around and stuff. And he says, I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And that's really where my passion lies right now, because Paul alludes to this idea that it's Christ in us. And, and it's, it's, it, when, when Jesus is in you, he, the Holy Spirit is, is living and speaking the words of God. And for me, that's where everything I'm teaching and preaching on right now is founded, is like I've got to get Christ in these people because I can't save them. I can't walk with them through life's challenges. I can't be there the next time that they're going to face some frightening, fearful situation that only the Holy Spirit can bring you the courage for. But I can preach until Christ is formed in you. And that's that's where I'm lying. That's where my passion is. And, and I, I really appreciate the imagery because you're, you're talking about a somebody that is in the the, one of the most painful experiences that a human can go through is the childbirth pains. Yeah. And you can't quit. I mean, it's not like, oh, this is too hard, just, you know, whatever. You've got to go through it. You've got to push literally through it. And Paul's like, I'm not going to give up on you. I, I'm wow. going to give birth to a new generation. So I, I love that, that imagery um, because Paul's just saying, I'm not going to quit. I really like that. So that's good. Great. Uh, question number six, is there something in your life that you wish you could do over? Now, this could be one or two things, uh, a regret that you wish you could fix or an experience that you've had that you'd just like to re-experience again. Everything? I mean, <laughs> don't we all learn from our life's experiences and be like, dude, if I could do that over again, I would do that much better. Uh, I think that, you know, the the lottery drawing last night, I would mm-hmm. have <laughs> uh, I think that my teenage years, for sure. I mean, I had opportunity. My mom and dad brought me to church. I had opportunity to to, to grow in my faith at that time. Uh, I wish I could have done that again. Uh, I wish that you know, coming to Living Water and the way that we you know handled and conducted ourselves, we didn't know at the time because you don't know what you don't know. And uh, yeah, if I could go back, I would have definitely just just been a little bit slower to change things, just been a little bit more uh, communicative of why we're doing things the way that we're doing. I think I left out the why a lot and I just made changes and didn't say the why. So I think there's a variety of reasons there. 
Gotcha. All right. So final question, the interrogation, no limits. Uh, who would you most want to talk to and, and share on uh, Pastor Sandy Farm? Oh, that's a good one. Most. Can I narrow it down to like a few or do I just got to give sure. you one? Yeah, give a handful. I mean, Jack Hibbs is pretty cool. Have you heard of him? He pastors a church in California and he's just doing uh, just a fantastic work. Uh, I really, really enjoy that. Um, uh, I think that Charlie Kirk is a not a pastor, but he is he is a a thought leader, and mm-hmm. he's somebody who's who's living his faith out loud, and it's very very challenging. Uh, I love that. I like um, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that with the way that he led our foreign policy, as we could see right now. Uh, the way that foreign policy has gone has led to Russia invading Ukraine. So um, I think that that's, that would be somebody interesting. Uh, I'd love to uh, talk to people like Mark Driscoll. Um, you know, some of these other people have been through some pretty tragic things and gotten back yeah. up and, and started again and, you know, definitely could learn some stuff from their past. But, you know, I think those are some types of people that I'm thinking would benefit our audience from hearing from them. Okay, very cool. All right. So, uh, gentlemen, the final question I ask every guest is for anyone that wants to step up, use their gifts, uh, whether it's their talents, their passions, or even their experience uh, for God's glory, what would your wise counsel be for them? My wise counsel for people who are wanting to use their gifts for God's glory would be to do it. (laughs) Like, don't let anything stop you from doing it. God has gifted you for that very reason. I mean, I am 100% convinced that we are here for the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism, the very first one, is what is the chief end of man? And it is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It is simply put, we are here for the glory of God. And I am completely convinced that every single shred of your being is formed in order to glorify him. Whether it's your gifts, whether it's your experiences, whether it's your personality type and your mindset, whether it's your disposition and the way that you feel when you wake up in the morning. I mean, God made you fearfully and wonderfully made so that you could glorify him. Uh, Sin tried to corrupt that. But when you're born again, you're born as a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And specifically, Ephesians says that you were created to do good works, which God purposed in advance for you to do. Amen to that. So Pastor Jeremiah, thank you so much for, uh, for being on. Uh, I want everyone to, uh, um, if you're looking for a church in the uh, Chicago suburbs, check out golivingwater.com or find them on social media at golivingwater and uh, search on your favorite podcast platform for Pastor Standing Firm. I truly believe you'll be blessed, you'll be encouraged, and I do believe that you will also be challenged in many ways because I think that the American church deserves, or not deserves, but needs to be challenged a little bit more uh, because we are, uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I, I tell people I believe that God's telling them not to buy green bananas at this point. <laughs> I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Dave, thanks so much. I love what you're doing here. 
be an encouragement to so many people. And uh, I appreciate you having us on. Absolutely. So we'll see you next week. Our guest next week is going to be uh, Felicity Joy. She uh, is the uh, Creative Motion Network Person of the Year. And she's also a candidate for office this year. We're going to talk to her about how she's going to mesh um, faith and also running for office because uh, we talked about earlier that some people get into office through compromise. So we're going to talk to her about how uh, she's going to battle that uh, as she runs for office. And uh, until next week, we thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you soon. 